Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I am joined, as always, by co-host Ryan Donnelly. Ryan, what's up? Oh, we're chilling, Patrick. We are uh, we are chilling. You and I definitely did not forget that we were going to do this record on my lunch break, my day job. Uh-huh. Uh, and we have a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, that is that is for sure. Listen, I remembered. I've got it on my daily planner. I've got an actual little paper daily so planner true. here. Now, did I do anything in preparation before this morning? No, but I knew we were doing it. <laughs> it just, I just let it sit in the back of my mind and, and slowly you know, uh, corrupt the rest of my brain. Um, but that's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It's, it's good. Even some would say to do that. Um, what are we doing today? Yeah, we're going to do our annual kind of, uh, hits and misses, you know, taking accountability episode. Uh Um, you and I are going to talk about where we were right, where we were wrong. Um, what we hit on, what we missed on and kind of go through all that. Uh, so, I think we're going to go through a conference by conference on basically teams. We had, we had the vibe, right. Teams. We had the vibe wrong. Uh, I don't think we're getting exactly into the numbers on like, you know, over under for win totals, something like that, but just more broadly, who do we have nailed? Who do we miss on? Yeah, this is uh, not, not the most scientific list in the world. It's more just, I I feel like this was a team that we were pretty close on, or I feel like this was a team that we were not super close on. Um, I think. Hey, look! If you want numbers, go to PFF. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you want numbers, they've got all sorts of numbers over there. Uh, they've got numbers <laughs> that don't even mean anything. It's fun. It's you could just put a number on whatever the hell you owe. His uh, his seal grade is sixty seven. What does that mean? What the fuck does that mean? No, who that's knows? the guy who's most prepared for an equibian. Uh, <laughs> what's the what's the equibian? Qu- amphibian. <laughs> yeah, it's an aqua amphibian, which is really useful. Uh uh-huh. No, it's an amphibian. Amphibian invasion. That's what they're they're testing for. I don't think seals are amphibians. I think those are frogs. I'm talking about navy seals, dude. They're amphibians. Oh, okay. I was thinking about the <laughs> mammal with all the blubber. I don't think that they're mm. amphibians. But navy seals are amphibian in nature. Um, yeah. Let's we... look up. Let's look up list of amphibians really quick. <laughs> let's see what got. <laughs> who, who are your guys on the list of amphibians? <laughs> well, you've got frogs and toads. That's one big one. Oh yeah. Of course, you've got salamanders. We love a salamander. Yeah, absolutely. And you've also got cacillians, which are kind of these disgusting worm creatures. Mm. Um, okay. I like that. I like the sounds of a disgusting worm creature. That's good. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about? Freaking Chip Kelly over here? Yep. Yeah, we are. Did you see the picture of him? I'm sure you did. The picture of him with Clay Hall. Oh, yeah. Just two amazing faces in there. Two. two he looks like, so happy. They look like two 1930s boxers. Like, that is a that is a, a <laughs> style of guy that they just don't make anymore. They just don't look yeah. like that. But those two do. I love it. They're, you know, they're... he's he's still working part time to like deliver and, and recover milk crates to help yeah. pay for his boxing obsession. <laughs> his wife hates him. Yeah. yeah, Chip Kelly is getting in there. He's he's coaching, but he's talking with like the 1930s accent. He's like, "Boys, we got to get in there and block them real hard." <laughs> he's like, it's <laughs> unclear where he even picked it up. He wasn't doing that until this year, just doing a, an elaborate bit. Um, yeah, what's your, everybody send in your, your favorite amphibian from the list of amphibians. Yeah. Um, please quote tweet, uh, Patrick will tweet this link out after we do the podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, please quote tweet it with a picture of your favorite amphibian. Yeah. Uh, or Navy SEAL. Yeah. Or Navy SEAL. Either one. Yeah. It could be uh, whichever one you want. Um, 
if you want to uh, <laughs> discuss amphibians and Navy SEALs and things of that nature as well, you can do that on our message board at meetatmidfield.com. I, I guess we're not going to stop you. We don't really moderate the message board super heavily because we haven't needed to. Yeah. People are generally pretty cool on there. Um, and uh, I would say it's the best place to to uh, discuss those things as well as actual college football stuff. We've got a college basketball thread that has been popping off recently for obvious reasons. Um, we've got all sorts of good stuff on there. It is not just college football, but it is obviously a college football message board in <laughs> in, in theory um, and then as well as that you also have the written stories you have the premium podcasts of this episode of the show that you do with Kevin High Street Freaks uh, all of that good stuff over there at meetatmidfield.com uh, go and subscribe yeah. if you have not subscribed already we would love to have you I, I will say really quick here uh, for anyone who is wondering a current subscriber <clears throat> you guys may have noticed I've been writing a little bit less it's not because of that cough you're hearing mm-hmm. Um I am doing a lot of deep work right now on a project I think you guys are going to really, really like that is coming out. Uh, it's more towards like late spring, early summer, but I'm not going to take that long to not write. I'm just doing some background work on it right now. It should be done in the next week, and then I will get back to my regularly scheduled programming. Uh, I have some more recruiting content coming uh, on like national stuff and Ohio State stuff. Doing my usual previews, going to start up with some of the player rankings, all that sorts of, all that sort of fun. So. Uh, I have not died. I am just temporarily uh, doing some project work that will come to fruition soon. Yeah, that's what they want. That's what you want them to think, that you haven't died. I know the truth. I know that you've been compromised <laughs> to a permanent end. Um, you can also uh, support this show and support Meet at Midfield by going to homefieldapparel.com and using the code Meet at Midfield to get 15% off of your first purchase. They have high-quality collegiate vintage apparel. They will put basically any school that you could hope for. They will put classic logos that they have uh, sifted through the archives yeah. and found even ones you have it like Michigan. yeah yeah, yeah exactly um and they will put them on very comfortable very soft very good t-shirts sweatshirts bomber jackets uh, quarter zips i don't think i've ever mentioned on the show but they do have quarter zips uh joggers yeah, one. hats how is the quarter zip i've heard good things it's great it's great i will say if you're um, the broadest chested man alive. Like I'm a pretty wide dude. Yeah. <laughs> the shoulders you're, bu- and chest. you're, you're buxom. I, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm buxom. I recommend <laughs> sizing up a little bit, which I thankfully did in advance because I, I like a, a quarter zips outerwear. You know what I mean? I like it on top of something. I'm not one of those yeah. quarter zip with no undershirt underneath kind of freaks. Yeah. Uh, a kind of sensual finance bro. That's not me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I recommend sizing up on those, but they're very great. They're comfortable look very cool i highly recommend yeah and the sensual finance bros who do listen to the podcast <laughs> i apologize we are not meaning to slander you we know that you know you like to feel the you know, first thing in the morning you want to wake up and you want to put on the quarter zip and feel the cold metal of the zipper against your bare chest <laughs> i don't really your bare shaved chest hairless completely hairless all of them um i don't really understand that personally but i'm not going to stop you and Homefield certainly won't stop you what are they going to do they can't tell you not to do that uh <laughs> go on over there if you have not already and use the code meet at midfield for 15 percent off of your first purchase uh let's jump in here as you said we're going to go conference by conference we've got these sorted out just into very simply hits and misses uh we're going to start with the acc we've got four hits and three misses here uh where do you want to start yeah we can lead off with everyone's favorite team that we were all rooting for uh clemson yeah uh they suck right yeah, yeah uh, they we suck. nailed these guys 
we had them dead to rights. They did have a comeback later in the year. I know there was a point where uh, where Bill Connolly was looking at it, and I think after like week five or six, the math was likelier they would go seven and five and eight and four or better, uh, which did not happen. You know, unfortunately, uh, they did finish nine and four with the win of the bowl game, eight and four overall. But you know, this team sucked ass, man. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, look. They lost to some good clubs. I'm not going to say they just like got blown out all the time. The opening weekend loss to Duke was a real ass kicking. Uh, and then they had three one score losses to Florida State, Miami, and NC State, two of those in overtime. Yeah. Uh, this definitely could have been better, but I think we spiritually understood they would not have the offense or like the experience to win those close games, right? They didn't have the talent advantage over other teams because they completely ignored the transfer portal. So they only rely on recruiting where they signed a lot of small classes. And I think a lot of people were also projecting them to have like a top five defensive front in college football. And they seem to have forgotten that Brent Venables has been gone for a couple of years. And also (laughs) that uh, those guys were all freshmen. Um, I think Clemson could actually rebound this year. I haven't looked too much at their schedule for 2024 yet. I think they might be better uh, in 2024. Some of the growth they've shown over the late course of the season was impressive, but um, you know, we had them nailed for 2023. Yeah, the offense was really stinky. The offense was was a concern coming into the year, and it is uh, it, it bore out as such. It just wasn't very good. They just couldn't put a lot of points on the board. Um, uh, Cade Klubnik was fine, I guess. He was okay. But they have no receivers, and <laughs> their only real offensive playmaker is a constantly hurt five foot nine running back. Um, that's not really a great way to do things um yeah. who's so, now gone yeah, yeah who's who's now gone? he's he's passed on to the other to the next plane um uh, rest rest in peace to will shipley uh we hardly knew you um but yeah they just weren't very good their 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 defense was good the defense was solid as it as it usually is but it was not you know top two top three which is probably what it would have needed to be to make up for an offense that really just kind of lacked any substance um also here in the hit section on the other side of that equation we have fsu uh florida state we were very very high on coming into the season and sure enough they went 12 and 0 in the regular season i don't care about what happened in the bowl game it's their whole team was gone um they but they go 12 and 0 in the regular season they win the acc even without their quarterback. Um, I think this is safely a, they were good. We were right on, on Florida state uh, territory. They were good. We were right on Florida state. Yeah. And unfortunately, like also even the Achilles heel, we pointed out did come to fruition too. Right. We were like, look, they have probably one of the best, if not the best starting 22s in college football. Uh, but they had no depth because they hadn't recruited well enough in the transition years. And that came into play, right? Jordan Travis got hurt and they got shafted because of it. I still think this team should have and deserve to make the playoff. Um, but it didn't go that way, right? It didn't happen that way. Yeah. Um, I, I think Florida State should still be good again. This year. I think we take a step back. But with the 12-team playoff expansion, like Florida State could still very well make the playoff this year. Yeah. It is kind of tough to, to like, even <laughs> with, depth, with depth being, like, a concern going into the year. You could basically say about 
any team that wants to be contending, hey, if these guys lose their starting quarterback, it might be bad. It might be trouble for them. Yeah, of course, <laughs> it's, I know. It's, yeah, it's, but... I, don't really, I don't really apply depth to that position in the same way, um, especially because they weren't even on their second guy. They were down to the third guy. Um, it's yeah. one of those things. Uh, Duke is on here. I think Duke is kind of borderline because of the way that they closed the season. They started really strong. Um, there was a, a moment in that Notre Dame game about five games into the season where it looked like they were going to win and like they were really going to make a lot of noise this year. And then Riley Leonard get, gets hurt and it all kind of falls apart right. again. Same thing with like, you can't really predict the, the starting quarterback and the star of the offense is going to get hurt. But I think eight and five for, for Duke is still a solid season, especially when you consider that they were without their best player for a pretty large stretch of that season. The defense was fucking awesome. The defense was really, really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they're an incredibly well-coached team. I, I mean, I, I think that Mike Elko fulfilled the promise we thought he had, which is uh, which is fantastic, and, and I'm really happy about that. Um, it's going to be a tough year next year with Manny Diaz, right? Um, yeah. I do not think Duke will show up on our our big winners list next year. <laughs> no, no, probably not. Uh, last one here on the hits section, and then we'll get to the misses. North Carolina, which did the same thing that it does every fucking year. I don't know why nobody has picked up that this is what they do. They don't play anybody for the first two months of the season, and then they start playing teams, and they lose. They started the season, I think, 6-0, and and then they lost four of their last six, I think five of their last seven, if you add in the bowl game. And they, you know, that includes like a home loss to Virginia. They lost at Georgia Tech. Yeah. Um, you well, can't... Patrick, surely they didn't do this with like a top 10 NFL draft quarterback and, you know, a bunch of really talented recruits on the line of scrimmage who don't ultimately pan out. Right? Yeah. That didn't happen, at least. No, that, surely that didn't happen. Their, their defense was an atrocity for how much talent they have. We've talked about this before with North Carolina, but um, they are, uh, you know, they are pretty much who they seem to be. They are. I think that they're just going to do this under Mac Brown. I don't, I don't really know why you would expect anything else from North Carolina. They're going to schedule really easy. They're going to start strong and then things are going to get really bad for them really quickly. That's what they do. They, yeah. they, they do not have the, that is... they don't have the mental fortitude to hang, to, you know, hang with uh, November football. No, over their final six non-FCS games of the season, they allow an average of 31 points per game. Awesome. Um, that is really good. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Work, good work, boys. You did it. Yeah, yeah, putting in a hard shift there on that defensive end. Um, on the misses side of this in the ACC, we've got Louisville first. Um, Louisville is kind of a weird one because they were... Uh, a little finicky. They had a lot of they had a lot of very close wins. They had one, two, three, four, five. I think one score wins that went in their favor, and they only lost one one score game in the regular season. Mm. Um, but we were we did the numbers and how that works long term too. By the way, That's, yeah. Uh... Well, it's usually you know good. You're usually going to stay good, and you'll always win those games because you are God's <laughs> perfect football team, and He loves you. Um, that's usually what happens. Yeah, but they were still ten and two in the regular season, and they still went to the ACC championship game. They were better than I think we were we were expecting, and and really better than I would say was even all that reasonable to expect on the higher end. They Jeff Brom figured a lot out for this team and and got them I think to where they ended up. Um, they I would say they overachieved pretty significantly, and we did not see that one coming. That is <laughs> hand up. That one's our bad. 
Yeah, I mean, that running game was really fun, I will say, as well, which yeah. you just don't expect from a Brom team, right? That's I mean, they, they've, Not that they can't run the football, but like that's not how his bread and butter has ever been. But they had a couple just really violent, really aggressive running backs with uh, Guerrero and Jordan. Um, I ended up really enjoying this team. So, yeah, we will happily take the, uh, the L on this one. Yeah, um, these next two here, the last two in the ACC, I'm going to tie together because I think it's pretty similar. Uh, Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech. These were both situations where we were just kind of expecting a bad team. Um, Virginia Tech was really, really bad in 2022. Georgia Tech, neither of us was all that inspired by the uh, the Brent Key head, you know, head coaching promotion. Um, and they both got to bowl games. They were not great. I don't, I don't think you could fairly say that either one of these teams was great, but they were good enough to get six wins and get to the postseason. Um, and they, uh, maybe <laughs> kind of saved, saved some jobs there in the process. I don't think Brent Pry was going to get fired. Weird that they're, they're both Brents at, at two tech schools. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but, uh, hmm. they, they, they were, they were better than expected because what we expected was that they would be bad and they weren't bad. They were, they were competent. Yeah. I, I mean, Virginia Tech especially did it with a youth movement, which is impressive. I mean, they had a lot of young guys playing and they won five of their final seven games, um, which is hard to do, right? That is not easy to, uh, to do that in any circumstances. Uh, and, and they have a lot of now a ton of experience coming back next year. They're number one in Bill Connolly's uh, returning production ranking. I think they have, uh, I can pull the numbers super quick here. I think something like 15 or 16 seniors uh, on the roster. Like this should be a pretty good team again this year. Yeah. I don't think eight wins is out of the question for Virginia Tech in 2024. Yeah, I would even say they should win more than that. If you have 16 seniors, you should consider winning nine or even 10 games, but we'll see. Um, Moving to the AAC, this conference was all sorts of fucked up this past season, Um, and... (laughs) <laughs> just kind of wading through the shit with this one. Uh, we have two two teams that I feel like are pretty distinct hits. Uh, they weren't necessarily the hardest predictions in the world to make, but we did get, I think, pretty well correct that Tulane would be good, but not as good as it was in 2022, which bore out. They got back to the AAC title game. Um, but they were not, they were not as good as they were in 2022. They were, you know, without their best offensive player. Uh, and then UTSA, which was very shaky to start the season. They were one and three to open the the campaign. And then they got Frank Harris back and they pretty much rolled through the rest of the AAC did not win the conference, but they were good. Um, and they, they were, I think seven and one in, in conference play in the regular season. We said that they would show up into the AAC, into the AAC and immediately be competitive, immediately compete atop the league. And they did. Um, I feel pretty good about, about both of these teams. I, I, I think that we had these pretty, pretty locked in, even with the slow start from UTSA. Yeah, I feel good about these. And I mean, like mostly our prediction is that, you know, we thought Jeff Trailing would figure it out for, for UTSA, and we were right about that. Yeah. Um, I'm very much looking forward to watching Tulane in 2024. Uh, and also UTSA, because, like, this is kind of a new test for Trailer uh, without Frank Harris, without, you know, a lot of the guys that have been staples of that program. Yeah. Uh, curious to see what his next step looks like. 
Um, yeah. What about our misses here? Yeah. So first up, we've got Temple. I'm putting my hand up on this one. I'm tapping my chest. This one is my bad. I thought that Temple's defense looked really good on paper, um, but I did not take into account the fact that uh, which which former Ohio State running backs coach is it that's the head coach there? Is it Stan Drayton? Yeah. Stan, Stan Drayton. Drayton. Yeah. Yeah. I I did not take into account that Stan Drayton is a dog shit head coach. <laughs> I, I should have I should have considered that. The roster could look fine. The man is not good at coaching. His team was dog shit. They were really, really bad. They went three and nine. Um, the defense was awful. The offense was awful. They had nothing going for them. Um, I thought this could maybe be a bowl team, and they were, <laughs> they were distinctly not a bowl team. They were not, they were not really all that close to being competent. Um, that's, no, uh, no, they weren't. Yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a little bit until we should be <laughs> talking about Temple with any sort of any sort of interest or, or seriousness because uh, they just, they're just not very good right now. Program is not in a great spot. Um, also here we've got Memphis, Memphis. Uh, I would, I would kind of say didn't, I mean, they won a good number of games. They were nine and three in the regular season. I think they added a bowl win onto that. Um, they were not in the AAC title game, I don't think. And that was kind of the, the, the goal, but they were solid. They won the games generally that I think they should have won. It would have been really nice to get one of those home games against SMU and Tulane, and they didn't do that, and they weren't really all that close, I don't think, in either game. The SMU game, they scored late to kind of make the final score look a little nicer than it was. Um, but, you know, their their three losses were all at least relatively competitive. They came up just seven points away from Missouri. That ended up being a pretty good loss. Um, and then they took care of business elsewhere. They were they were good. Um, the defense really held them back, but the offense was solid. Uh, I, I don't know that, like, I still don't really trust Ryan Silverfield. I still don't really think that he has all that much actually going on. But they were not... This was not a firing situation, and that was kind of the context that we entered the season with with these guys. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and they also seem very poised to make a big run again next year, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, which I mean, I guess like the benefit for a team like Memphis, which has gotten uh, behind on, you know, uh, all of like the the transition and, and you know uh, what am I what, conference realignment basically the fact they keep getting left behind means they keep inching further and further up as like the most talented team in the g5 yeah uh and with fritz leaving Tulane, like they are just by default and by continuity's sake even if silverfield is still the same guy uh because of people around them they're getting you know they're kind of improving their standing in the g5 yeah which at, puts them in a good position to land a playoff spot and then maybe get an invite to the big 12 or ACC or something. <laughs> yeah at some point there will at some point Memphis will be the one that is left, and they have to be good just by default. It's just, it's just, there's nobody else to do yeah. it. SMU is gone. Tulane lost its coach. UTSA lost all of its players. Like it's probably time to do it if you're Memphis. I think that this is the year that yeah. you should just because I've seen a lot of hype around USF this year, though. Yeah, they're next on the list here. USF uh, got to a bowl game. They were, uh, I don't know, they were fine. They they were not really all that convincing in their wins. I would say if you look at the regular season list of wins, it is not super impressive. They beat Florida A&M, Rice, Navy, Yukon, Temple, and Charlotte, but they did beat them. They won the games. They did what they were supposed to do in those, in those yeah. matchups. Um, was, was their highlight of the season 
being close with Alabama in like the fourth quarter. <laughs> probably. It probably was. Uh, I, when I, Nick Saban was proving a point about how bad his quarterbacks were. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. When Nick Saban was, was negging Tommy Reese on TV, that was just, that was the, the game plan is that, okay, yeah, go ahead, put your guy in. Let's see it. I want to see what that looks like. Um, which is, uh, you know, fine, I guess. Uh, so I, I like, it's not the, it's not the highest quality bowl bid on earth, but in year one with a coach who I really, really didn't like when they brought him in, um, I, I think that this is uh, better than expected. I don't know, I don't know how much I believe in the full, like the long term hype for this program, but they got to a bowl game and I thought they were going to be like two and ten or three and nine. So that is that is exceeding expectations on that front, at least. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um... All right, so we're in the Big Ten now, or do we have no, anyone else we, in the AAC? We got one more, unfortunately, oh. <laughs> and it's it's one it's one that uh, that hits a little bit close to home for this podcast. Our dear friend Tom Herman, he shit the bed. He's got shit in his pants. It's all over him. The bed is full. You got to change the sheets, Tom. You shit the bed. They went four and eight. They were not very good. <laughs> FAU just wasn't very good. The offense, I, I like some of it. I don't think is entirely their fault because they lost their quarterback like two weeks into the season. But some of it, they should have been better. I think than they were. They had a better roster than four and eight, even without their starting quarterback. And they really just kind of collapsed down the stretch with some winnable games. They lost to UAB, they lost to East Carolina, and they lost to Rice in their last four, as well as a loss to Tulane. I don't really blame them for that. Um, that is, you, a bowl bid should not have been out of the question here, and they did not. They did not get there. Um, just a, a disappointing year one. I don't think a like a you know. <laughs> all hope is lost year one, but not as good as it probably should been should have been with the roster that they had. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And um, you know, I think we had some doubts when he's when he hired Ed Warner. Uh and those were right. <laughs> it's Ed Warner's fault. You should, you know, exercise yourself, Ed Warner, and this will all work out, Tom. Yeah, that's fair. Uh okay, Big Ten. We've got the uh we'll start with the hits. I'll just cue you up for this one. Uh Ohio State. Um you, I'll say you wavered on this one a little bit, understandably, because you are a fan of Ohio State and you don't want to uh, poison your your enjoyment with fear that you know Ryan Day can't get the job done. But that has been you know our identification of Ohio State for several years now, and sure enough, it still was still the case. The underlying problems remained problems, and Ohio State did not. Uh, live up to probably what it should have done. It didn't even get to the playoff, and that was, I think, a pretty baseline expectation for this team. Yeah, well, a good thing is we definitely won't do the same song and dance uh, this year. We're definitely going to learn our lesson, and uh, <laughs> it'll be good for everyone. Yeah, that is that is for sure, and that'll be really yeah. fun. Um, I think Ryan Day without an elite-level quarterback is probably going to work this time. It's not going to be the same exact thing as it was last year. That I would I would say that right off the bat. Um, <laughs> going to be totally fine. Uh, next up here, Michigan State. Um, boy, these guys were really, really bad, and we were we were pretty much <laughs> we were pretty much locked in on that. We weren't super high on them coming into the season, even before yeah. uh, Mel, Mel Tucker, Tucker yeah. you know, took his pants <laughs> off on a Zoom call. Um, that <laughs> like uh, we th- we didn't think the roster was all that good, and then when you have all that happen, it <laughs> it went south very quickly here for for Michigan State. They were bad. They were largely pretty rudderless. 
Um, I, I like what they are moving towards with Jonathan Smith, but the end of the Mel Tucker era was about as ugly as it kind of looked like it, it could have been. We didn't know it was going to be the last year for Mel Tucker, obviously, going into the season, but I think we had it pretty right that they were It would be a lot funnier if we did. Yeah, that would be funny if we get on like the Big Ten preview and we're like, Mel Tucker will be fired for, for harassing the, the the lady who comes in to talk about harassment and sexual assault. Um, he's going he's gonna to get fired for doing that. That would be... I think that they would need to, they would maybe investigate us if we did that on a prediction show. Um, <laughs> we could just start doing that, though, on prediction shows, just putting out outlandish, like, oh, uh, this coach is going to kill a kid or something like that. <laughs> we do our crime predictions podcast. Yeah. Uh, isn't that, uh, that's the plot of some, is that Minority Report where they like predict yes. crime happening in advance? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. We could honestly probably do pretty well with that. Like that would be fun. next scandal to pop up. That'd be fun. We could do that. <laughs> Getting ourselves into we'd some, just be like one some of the... choppy water there, I think. <laughs> yeah. We'd be one of those guys who like tweets out every possible outcome for a player's career and then deletes them as they yeah. like, get further into it. Yeah. And say so you look like Nostradamus if you have a tweet from eight years ago. That's so yeah. funny. There's no benefit to doing that other than you get like 250 likes. <laughs> There's no reason to go to all that trouble. Um, really funny. God damn. That would be a really funny bit though. Doing like doing like the, the scandal prediction and then posting like the, all of the other college football accounts do where we're doing like the lock emoji and we're like, uh, lock of the month. Lane Kiffin will be, <laughs> will be arrested on <laughs> August 22nd. <laughs> yeah, we should really do that. Plus, I would love to do that. Plus 800. We're, we're doing odds on which SEC coach will be fired for committing a sex crime. <laughs> Just like oh, plus Hell eight, yeah, but my, minus one fifty. Hugh Freeze. We're just just uh, yeah, hand, handicapping it. Um, that would be really cool. God. Uh, next up here is Iowa. I I, I I don't really remember a ton of what we were talking about with Iowa before the season because there's only so much you could say about Iowa. But what I do remember, the gist of it was basically, yeah, the offense is going to be really bad, and it doesn't matter because they're going to have the best defense in the country. And sure enough, they went 10-2 and in the regular season. The offense was really bad, and it didn't matter because they had one of the best defenses in the country. They're not that hard to predict. I don't know why, like... I don't know why everybody makes such a big fucking deal out of Iowa's offense. Yeah, it's bad. It should probably be better, and they would be better if it was. But it doesn't matter. They don't need it. it do- they don't need it. They can just win 10 games anyway. Yeah, I will say, I don't think we talked about it at all. What's your take on the Tim Lester hire for their OC? Um, not much. I don't, have much of, I don't have much of one on it. I don't really think that his offenses at – Western Michigan were all that like revolutionary or anything. I don't think he was really doing anything distinct at all. I, I would guess that he is just someone who Kirk Ferentz knows. <laughs> and that's pretty much the qualification is, hey, I know this guy. Um, but he doesn't really do anything. He's not, he doesn't really... You don't really think of like, oh, the Tim Lester offense. You more just think of like, yeah, that was the guy who was there when P.J. Fleck left. He just happened to be in the right place at the, at the right time, and he got the job. Um, but he's not really a guy that you could have a ton of strong opinions on. I don't think he doesn't do all that much. Yeah, I, I will say Andrew Ivins of 247 Sports um, hosted Tim Lester's 2018 recruiting class at Western Michigan. Have you seen this yet? No. Uh he, <laughs> uh, so he signed Braden Fisk, Jaden Reed, the Michigan State receiver, yeah. Chase Brown, the Illinois running back, uh, Zaire Barnes, who went sixth round in 2023, 
uh, Andre Carter, who is Indiana's best defensive player this year, and uh, Caleb Ellaby, who was a decent enough quarterback who's now in the CFL. Damn. Um, yeah, that's 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 not... in one recruiting class. That's... He had six like pro football players. That's not too bad. It's crazy that he didn't do fucking anything with that. They went like six yeah. and six for four years, and then he got canned. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I, I did. I, I feel bad for this because I, I like the Iowa fans that we're friends with, but uh, one of them did reply to me like, "It's at least it's going to be exciting." Tim Lester, like, I, I know our offense will probably still be bad, but you know, Tim Lester can at least recruit, which will be a nice change. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure that'll that'll change all of it. <laughs> I, I would say that recruiting to Western Michigan and Iowa are also different skills. I don't know that he was out there winning giant battles with with big time programs to get those guys. It's more of a are are they that different though? Like, you're still. I mean, I, I don't think Iowa's really winning a ton of big time battles for offensive recruits either. It's kind of about the belt, like identifying the best guys you can beat, you know, yeah, Nebraska or, you know, Wisconsin for something like that within your region or within like the state of Texas or, you know, and then trying to develop them, which I, I mean, I guess he's done pretty well at, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, anyway, not to, not to make this the Iowa show. Last one here yeah. on the hits is Purdue. Um, they were bad. They, <laughs> they, they looked like they were going to be bad. They were bad. Um, long-term outlook does not look great here at, at Purdue, and the short-term outlook was that they went four and eight, and they kind of they kind of stacked a couple wins there at the end to make the overall record look a little bit better than it really was. During much of the season, they were just not competitive. Um, it was it was it was pretty ugly there. Yeah, uh, it's tough, right? It's transition year. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, what about our misses? Uh, there's one here at the end I'm really excited to get into for you because I yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, first up here we got uh, we got Penn State. I we we fell for the fucking we fell for the thing again. They rope doped us. They they pulled the chair out from under us. Um, they Drew Aller was okay. He was he was fine. He was he was all right. But the offense was really bad in the the big games where it needed to be better than really bad. Um, the defense was awesome. It didn't matter. They were clearly, distinctly the third best team in the Big Ten East, and that was not good enough. That was they—they they probably should have been better than that, and they—and they weren't. Um, the offense was not just a uh, <laughs> Sean Clifford problem. It was a Penn State problem. We'll see if it's fixed this year with yeah. Andy Kotelnicki. I feel better about that, but I am—I'm—I'm I'm very. I'm very cautious of ever believing that a James Franklin team will actually be as good as it probably should be because they've just, he's done this too many times now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. I, it's, see, I, I guess I will say to his credit when he's had good OCs in the past, which is like once with Joe Moorhead, who wasn't even that good, but was good enough. Um, he has taken his hands off the offense, let him run his thing. I don't think you would get and hire Andy Kotelnicki if you're going to try to shoehorn him into something. So I, I do think that I would hope not. He'll let Kotelnicki run his thing. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, also, Drew Aller is a very different skill set from uh, from Jalen Daniels or, or Jason Bean. Um, yeah. Curious to see how that works. Yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting. Can you can you turn him into Josh Allen? Can you Josh Allen him? It'll be <laughs> be that'll be fascinating. Uh, also on the misses here, I don't really blame us too much for this one because. 
I don't really know that anybody thought that Northwestern was going to do what it did, but we had Northwestern as maybe not winning a game heading into the season. And as it turns out, they won, uh, I think, eight games. They won seven in the regular season, and then they added a bowl game on top of that. Um, Wild season, completely unexpected season from Northwestern, but they did not, in fact, win zero games. They won quite a bit more than that. Um, They wildly exceeded expectations. Yeah, and uh, we take no responsibility for that. <laughs> um, it is shocking. Like, I really can't believe it happened. Yeah. Um, it's one of the best coaching jobs in recent memory. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, last one here on the misses board in the Big Ten is Wisconsin. Um, I uh, I shouldn't have overlooked Phil Longo. I should, not, I should not have underestimated his ability to tank a team. The defense was fucking awesome. The defense was every bit as good as expected. They were... Uh, sub-15 uh, points per game in the, the SP+, plus, the adjusted SP+, plus defensive metric. Um, the offense was yeah. just bad. The offense was really, really bad. The, the offense was uh, misaligned with the defense, misaligned with the personnel. Um, they did not really ever get going offensively. It felt like they didn't really understand what they had with Braylon Allen or with anybody who was on the offense. And they suffered yeah. for it. They were the Braylon the Allen usage was maddening. Yeah, yeah, the Braylon Allen usage was really kind of the worst part of it. But all of it was bad uh, on the offense. They went seven and five in the regular season. They were not. I don't think they were anywhere near as good as they probably should have been with that roster because Luke Fickle really just he just fucked up that offensive coordinator hire really bad. I think that that offensive staff was um, a much bigger problem than I gave it credit for uh going into the season i i thought that maybe the talent could overcome (laughs) their own their own lack of coaching acumen on that side of the ball and they absolutely could not um is he he's running it back with longo this year isn't he oh that's a good question i think he is which is really concerning they're just and they're doing with tyler van dyke who is probably worse right at quarterback yeah Um, yeah that's (laughs) that's 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 worrying. Um, I think he is still there. I, I think that they are. Yeah, and they also oh, man. they hired Alex Grinch, who's at first reported to be just a position coach. He's uh, now a co DC title. Uh, um, I know he's like at best the third man of the defensive brain trust behind uh, Fickle and Trestle, but still yeah. really concerning. Yeah. Uh, moving to the Big 12 here, we've got quite a few hits. We're going to roll through these. This conference, I just don't have all that much interest in actually talking about because it was boring. Um, but uh, we've got on the hits section here, UCF, Cincinnati, Kansas State, Kansas, Texas Tech, and TCU. Uh, on the positive side of things, we thought that the Kansas schools would be good, and they were. Uh, Kansas State was a little bit disappointing. Honestly, took some losses that it probably shouldn't have, but Kansas was fucking good. Kansas overcome or overcame some pretty serious injury trouble at quarterback and was still good. Uh, eight and four in the regular season. I think they added a bowl win on top of that over UNLV, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, Kansas State was also eight and four in the regular season. I feel pretty good about those two. I, I think Kansas State was a little bit disappointing relative to our expectations, but they were still solid. Kansas was awesome. Um, I, I think that both of these are, are, are clear hits uh, for us. On the negative side, we, we were low on UCF, Cincinnati, Texas Tech, and TCU, and they were all bad. Um, Cincinnati was really, really bad. UCF was just kind of 
strange, but they they were not good. Um, and uh, TCU, yeah. I think, was pretty clear regression. I will let you tee off briefly on Texas Tech, which came into the season with a ton of hype, started the year one and three, and then kind of cobbled together a bowl season that they closed out in the regular season with a 50-point loss to Texas. Um, the, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean... this You were spearheading this they one. They didn't have enough talent. Like they they weren't like they were beating their chest about signing a bunch of three star recruits. And look, good for you, right? Like raising your floor is nice. It, it, it's it's good to do. I understand. I'm not trying to like shit on Texas Tech here. I don't like hate them inherently. But then all of their fans were like talking shit to me for like six months of the offseason uh, because of a recruit that Ohio State signed, and also because of my prediction about them. Uh, fuck you guys. I was right. <laughs> your your best win was like Kansas when they were injured, very injured. Uh, you didn't beat anybody good all year. Yeah. You got blown the fuck out by Texas. Um, Kansas State, you know, whooped you pretty bad as well. Uh, you know, you lost to Wyoming. Uh, BYU beat you by two scores. Come on. Like, be a serious program. What are yeah. you doing? No shame in losing to Wyoming on the road, but losing to BYU by two scores is, you should have, there's a lot of shame in that. There's immense amounts of shame in that. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, yeah. yeah. Talent yeah, level. They had just... four first place votes for, for uh, Big 12 Media Bowl. Jesus Christ. Just a bunch of three stars. Just a bunch of three stars. They're not going to win the Big 12. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. If you don't do anything unique on offense or defense, you're just running basically the same stuff that everybody else runs, and you only have three-star level talent, you're not going to be that good. The reason that Kansas and Kansas State can overachieve with that level of talent is because they do something different. I don't know why this is like... Every year, there's like three or four teams that get this sort of buzz for the same reason, and they don't do anything. And it's, it's like, yeah, of course they didn't do anything. Why would they do anything? They're not doing anything different than Texas or Oklahoma, and they have worse players than them. Sorry, that's the end. <laughs> that's it. You didn't do anything. Um, yeah, they, they uh, Texas Tech was was annoying and, and nice to see them get <laughs> knocked down a couple pegs last year. Uh, on the misses side, we've got three. Texas, I would say, is kind of a half miss. I, w- I never really believed in Texas. You came around on Texas a little bit later on in the season, but going into the year, we were both kind of still hitched to the uh, Steve Sarkeesian can't win more than eight games thing. Uh, Oklahoma State, yeah. which looked dead in the water and then wasn't dead in the water, and Baylor, which did not bounce back in any meaningful way as we were kind of thinking that it would. I think Dave Aranda in general is, is sort of an overarching miss for this show we really really like Dave Aranda after the 2021 season and he has not done anything since then they have been really bad no it really sucks that he's going to be the defensive coordinator either Georgia or Michigan after 2024 um that's gonna suck for me yeah that'll be unfortunate um CUSA we've only got hits here I only hit in the CUSA I don't think you had any opinions about the CUSA but uh, I was, uh, I was, I was pro liberty as well. Yeah, yeah. always as always. <laughs> You're always pro liberty. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, I went three for three here on ones that really kind of stood out, which are liberty being really good. They were, they went undefeated. They won the conference. Uh, they were awesome. It was immediately successful for Jamie Chadwell there. Uh, New Mexico State, which I really liked in 2022. They brought back basically everybody, and they were really good again. They were even better in 2023. And Western Kentucky, which I thought was kind of iterating 
on already, you know, <laughs> the, like th third or fourth iterations on a copy of a copy of a copy, and they were just not very good. They, they didn't look all that sharp. They were distinctly below the other top teams in the league. They lost to all three of Jacksonville State, Liberty, and New Mexico State. Two of those games were at home, and they lost. Um, they, they, you know, they, they can have the air raid offense all they want. They can throw the ball around. When you are on your third or fourth guy, you're hiring a guy who was like a GA for the original offensive coordinator, and you're down to the second or third version of Bailey Zappi and, and all of that stuff. It's just, it's going to add up, and they were not, they were not all that good. I feel good about the CUSA. I had the CUSA dialed in this time around, which is not, not a super valuable skill to have, but for the sake and of this show, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm locked in on the CUSA for some reason. <laughs> I've got, I've got I the fucking found, CUSA dead to right. I meant to tell you this. I, I was like basically just doing some research for that project I've been talking about. I'm just like, because the, the G5 win totals aren't out yet. So I was kind of just looking around for who the consensus top teams are for uh, 2024 for, for basically G5 programs. And I found this message board which appears to be it's a free national college football message board. And there are a lot of guys in there who are just fans of like Troy or Arkansas state or Tulane or something huh. like autistically arguing about like who has the best conference strength <laughs> based on like non-conference 20 percentage bowl games, like G five versus G five non-con percentage for like eight pages. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. It was really, really good. We should just like post on that board, like, "Hey, you guys need to be on our our yeah. board. <laughs> we need to have you <laughs> meet at midfield." Uh, it was awesome. It was really good. Like, just people call each other motherfuckers over this stuff. Like, it was. I'll send you the thread uh, later. It was really cool. That's so, that's so good. <laughs> Jumping on the free national message board to argue with some guy about the relative strength of the CUSA versus the MAC. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah sick. yeah um moving to the independence here again we've got three hits uh there were only four teams that were independent this past year but three of them i feel pretty good about notre dame not really being all that special despite the fact that they made a bunch of noise in the offseason sure enough they were just they were just there they were fine they were okay the offense was not good enough to carry them through, and the defense was a rung below the top in the in the sport, and they lost the three hardest games on their schedule. Sure enough. Um, Army, which was talking all offseason about trying to transition from the under center triple option into more of a spread option, and then... Should have uh, been more amphibious. Yeah, they yeah. should have been more amphibious. That was, uh, that was not wise on their part. You never want to take away your level of amphibious at Army. You, you need to be more. Um, and uh, their offense was really bad. The defense was honestly pretty good for Army, and they just wasted it with a dumb, mismatched offense. Um, and then UConn, which was, you know, a bowl team in Jim Mora's first season, a bowl team that we had zero faith at all in. And they started the season, I think, 1-9 and nine, and did not get their second or third wins until the final two weeks when they beat Sacred Heart and UMass. They were really bad. They were bad on both sides of the ball. I think that this was, and Jim Morris spent basically the entire season blaming everyone else for the fact that his team was bad. It was because UConn doesn't have uh, the same NIL money as Notre Dame or things like that, which I don't know why he was thinking that they would have that. I don't know why anybody would think that they would have that, but that's where they're at. That's what they're doing. Uh, it was a really productive season for him, it seems like, and I'm sure that that will work out well for him in the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
All right, what's up with the Mac? Uh, we got a couple here. Not a ton. The Mac is really hard to predict and also like kind of hard to make definitive statements about, and so we largely don't do it because it is the the parity is so high and it can be it can be pretty much anybody any given year. Um, I feel good about our picks of Miami and Ohio being solid. Ohio is a little bit disappointing. They had some injury issues and they were they were just kind of lacking the top end edge that I was hoping they would have. The offense was shaky. The defense ended up being really really good, but the the net result was still that they you know won nine games in the regular season. That's a success. I feel pretty good about that. And uh, Miami of Ohio, I thought coming into the season that their defense was going to be awesome, and it was. The defense was really, really good. Again, the offense probably held them back a little bit. They obviously had a quarterback injury with with uh, Brett Gabbert that limited them, but they, they they won every game in the regular season after that injury. They were really they were really stout. They were a really just well built, strong roster there. Um, those those two, I, I feel pretty good about on the misses side. Uh, Bowling Green went to a bowl game. I don't know how the hell they went to a bowl game because they lost a ton of seniors, but they did go to a bowl game. I am not yet ready to fully reassess my Scott Leffler position because I still think he's just not a very good football coach, but he did a good job in 2023. I did not see that coming. Um, On the other side of that, both Joe Moorhead and Chris Creighton at Akron and Eastern Michigan, two guys who we liked going into the season, two guys who we liked generally, uh, they both didn't do all that well. Eastern Michigan was very disappointing, even though they did go to a bowl game, which I guess is a reflection of the job that Creighton has done there. Um, But Akron (laughs) won two games, and one of them was by three points against Morgan State. The other one was by four against a really bad Kent State team. Outside of that, they didn't do anything. <laughs> Joe Moorhead is not making a ton of progress there right now. Those are both misses. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a frustrating year, especially for Eastern Michigan. I'm pretty bummed out by them. Uh, also, it sucks that Toledo was good. That's annoying for us. Yeah, um, yeah. We thought that this, like, I, I, I was not surprised that this specific roster, this iteration of Toledo was good. I still don't love J- Jason Candle like long term or anything. I don't think he's all that good of a coach, but this roster it was going to be kind of hard to fuck up with in a Mac that was down. Yeah, for sure. Um, the Mountain West all hits, no misses. This is your home conference. That's right. Um, <laughs> Probably. I will say. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I was just going to say it's probably a good thing that I can be generally fairly successful on the Mountain West, given the amount of time that I spend writing and thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess my thought is like, the one thing, and we're going to get into all these teams, but counting Air Force as a win, should we do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah, they, they kind of, the, the way that they finished the season was was frustrating. Um, I, I would say that like, with, you know, quarterback injury stuff with general injury stuff. I don't, I don't feel that bad about it. I also don't really know, like, it's just, it was just a weird way to end the season. It was, it was unexpected after how well they started. They just fell apart. Um, we could maybe even take that. I don't think it would be a miss because they were still, they were still eight and four. They were still solid, but yeah, that, that, that one, I would not have any complaints about saying that that's kind of a wash. Uh, the other ones, though, I feel pretty good about. Boise State, we came into the year saying that Andy Avalos was bad and that he was going to get fired. And sure enough, he didn't even make it to the end of the season. He was bad. He got fired. They underachieved. And then as soon as he was gone, they overachieved and managed to back their way into both appearing in and 
and then winning the Mountain West Championship game somehow. Um, yeah. They, uh, yeah, they, they without um, without Dirk Cutter there to call the offense, which he's back. He's fucking doing it again. Guy's a glutton for punishment. He just cannot get enough of being the interim offensive coordinator at Boise State. Um, but without him, their offense was just kind of lackluster. The defense lost a ton of guys from 2022 and did not really have a great way to replace any of them. They were not very good. Uh, they figured it out enough down the stretch, motivated by the, the coach departure, by losing a guy who it seems like they just didn't like in that locker room. But for the first two or so months of the season, they were just underwhelming in, in pretty much all facets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt like we comfortably nailed that one. Uh, especially you, I'm also just going to, you know, steal some of your valor for the Mountain West. I really do just kind of let you cook in the Mountain West. It seems like yeah. I'm not adding a ton beyond what you already know <laughs> here. So I kind of just, uh, just play my part. But um, yeah, I mean, I think we all knew that Avalos does not have the goods. I am curious to see what they do going forward. I, I don't know if Danielson's beating doesn't know anybody charges, but we'll see. Um, UNLV was fun and they seem to have done well by hiring a guy who wants to leave every job, but may have left so many that he is forced to stay at UNLV for a little bit. Uh, Brennan Marion's offense does him a lot yeah. of favors here. Yeah. I am curious to see what next year looks like without Jane Mayava, but for now uh, they've been pretty good. Yeah. So what I wrote about UNLV going into the season and what I was saying about UNLV going into the season was pretty much what played out except for the end part. Um, I wrote that they they brought back like Barry Odom inherited a pretty talented roster. I thought a roster that was going to be well positioned to succeed, even if they hadn't fired uh shit what was his name um Arroyo Marcus Arroyo who had been there before him uh, I felt pretty good about the roster and what I saw was that they went out and they grabbed a bunch of P5 guys to plug into spots where there were so, there was some weakness maybe there was a lack of depth whatever it was and it looked a lot like a a coach and a staff that identified correctly uh that they were not too far away from building a a capable one and done team where they would show up take the team to levels it hadn't been to in a long time, uh, win a bunch of football games, and then jump to, collectively jump to a bigger job, jump to a Pac-12 job, jump to a Big 12 job, whatever it was. Um, and they were good. They, they successfully pulled off that part of the equation. And then Barry Odom's dumbass didn't take a job. I don't know what he's doing. What did you do the one and done for? Now you actually have to coach UNLV. Dumbass, why'd you do that? It, 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 that's baffling <laughs> baffling by 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 Odom I I would say I guess it's good for UNLV I don't really know if I believe that I don't really actually trust him to build a, a full program there I think that he was just the right guy in the right spot essentially he was there when they needed a coach and he inherited a really good roster but they did that part right and then he forgot to do the next part he forgot to take another job and and get out of dodge before he actually has to coach UNLV that is a uh that is a bold play. Usually doesn't work out very well, but I guess we'll see. Well, and, you know, Barry Odom always gets better the more time he spends at his school. We know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's right. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, we have Fresno State. I think you could kind of put Fresno State in the same territory as Air Force, where, like, they were really, really awesome for two months of the season, and they just completely collapsed out of nowhere. Um, I don't know what happened there. It was not, like, really... <laughs> it was not really predicted by anything that they were doing. Like the three games that they had played before they closed out the, the season with three straight losses 
two of them pretty bad uh, were that they were uh, they they beat Utah State by five on the road and then they beat UNLV and Boise State who were in the championship game you know a month later uh, each by seven points at home like there was nothing that really said hey these guys are about to collapse <laughs> these guys are about to to lose to San Jose State by twenty four and then New Mexico by eight and San Diego State by fifteen they did do that I don't know why that happened but. I think that they were good enough through the first two months of the season that I, I feel pretty good about what I was saying coming into this year, which is that they still had, despite losing some pretty big guys, Jake Hayner especially, but a lot of guys from the skill of that offense, uh, despite losing that those guys, they had so much depth and talent that they would still be fine. I think they were fine. Um, they, they, they did that, at least. Uh, so I, I feel fine about that one. Pac-12, I'm going to kind of let you lead the way on this one because I've talked about a lot of G5 conferences over the last 10 minutes. Uh, Who we got in the hits here? Yeah, yeah, we are uh, leading off with, I guess, the big two of Washington and Oregon, right? We thought these guys would be national-level contenders. Uh, They were. I didn't predict how annoying the national media would be about Oregon and Dan Lanning. Seemingly all fueled off that early-season speech about Colorado, um yeah it just built into its own mythos from there like one other time in history have they talked about an oregon team in the in the pac-12 that lost both games against the best team in the league as if they were an sec team that deserved to be in no matter of the record it's really weird actually to see it happen yeah um kind of confusing i don't really talk about any other team like that outside of the sec yeah. uh yeah bizarre um and then usc we were just right about right these guys suck um, they are on serious, you know, Caleb Williams will fail in the NFL. We have put the hex on him. Yeah. Um, Lincoln Riley's a loser. It's going to be way worse next year. Oh yeah. Uh, they don't have shit on that roster. I think I tweeted out, I, let me pull up the numbers really quick here about their roster for next season. Um, they have, uh, let's see, two scholarship quarterbacks, four scholarship running backs, seven scholarship receivers and five scholarships tight five scholarship tight ends uh of those 18 players only one of them is a senior okay uh they have like a million freshmen and sophomores on this roster they're gonna be bad i think that's my prediction is they're not going to be good i think the offense this idea of like lincoln riley's offense always being good is going to be very much tested in 2024 um, and I'm here to celebrate that. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing, I don't know if USC actually plays Iowa. Let's find out. Yeah. But I would love to see this version of Lincoln Riley's offense against an Iowa defense. Yeah, that would, um, that would be really good. Um, uh, they play, they get uh, LSU to open the season in Vegas. That'll be good. Then uh, Utah State, a bye week at Michigan, home against Wisconsin, at Minnesota, home against Penn State. At Maryland, home against Rutgers, at Washington, by week Nebraska, at UCLA, home against Notre Dame. Hmm. Um, they're going to face what four top fifteen defenses, probably or something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's not going to go well. <laughs> so I'm going to say right now, that's not going to go well. Uh, if they couldn't do it with the uh, you know <laughs> the guy who runs around in the pocket for 35 seconds and then eventually somebody gets open, I don't think that they're going to do it with Miller Moss and a whole bunch of freshmen. That doesn't sound like a great recipe for being Yeah, good. or Jane Mayava, right? Yeah. Whichever one it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't uh, really change the calculus there. And for, the only for good us. receiver, the only good receiver on the roster is Zach Branch. Yeah, yeah, and he is a good receiver. Don't get me wrong; that's a good good receiver to have. But you might want to get more than 
Might want to get more than one of those. Um, that would be yeah. worth. And by the way, into. your old line gets worse too. Oh good. Oh good. It was already pretty bad, but <laughs> that sounds that sounds great. Uh, the last one in the hits here is Oregon State. They faded a little bit down the stretch, but they were good. Um, they were at one point like really, really good. I, I think that the uh, Jonathan Smith kind of shopping for other jobs thing hurt them at the end of the season, as did the fact that they played Washington and Oregon consecutively to end the year. They were competitive in the Washington game, the Oregon game uh, less so. Um, but they were good. They they were, uh, I, I think, better than most expected. They were still in the Pac-12 title race near the end of the season, like going into the last two weeks. That I'll count that as a win. Uh, we didn't really talk about Washington here. I'll just say, like, they, you know, we were right about Washington. <laughs> they were, they were awesome. yeah, yeah, they were, they yeah, were really good. Um, on the misses yeah. side, we've got two here that uh, I, I think one of them is a more distinct miss than the other one. One of them is Colorado. It's, I don't really know. Like, I don't really think we had that strong of an opinion. I don't count on, this as a miss. Yeah, like, yeah, I think in fact we nailed them. I, I, I think we had them going like four and eight or five and seven. Yeah. Uh, I guess the biggest difference is we didn't think Arizona would be that good. And they, it was a three-point game with Arizona, to be fair. Uh, and they also lost the three-point game in double overtime to Stanford, but they gave up like 900 yards passing. Um, yeah. I yeah, don't know. I feel like we had Colorado right, actually. I would count this as a hit. I'm saying this more as a miss for what we said after they won their first three games, which is that they could win eight or nine, um, which they did not do. But if we're just talking about preseason, like, yeah, it was – we were, you know – I don't think we were that far off. Yeah. On Arizona, however, Arizona dead ooh. wrong. Yeah, yeah we were dead. Wrong. <laughs> Oops, yeah. that one, that one is our bad. Arizona won ten games, um, and uh, Jed Fish got the fuck out of town before he had to continue coaching Arizona, which uh, Barry Odom <laughs> should have taken that advice. You should have watched what Jed was doing. You should always. What would Jed do? Yeah. Um, yeah, they were they were good. They oh, yeah. they were much better than I thought they had any ability to be. Yeah, and also, uh, though we will say our theory about everyone hating Jed Fish was confirmed correct when, like, none of his players left with him. Yeah. Um, including Noah Fafita, who's going to stay in Arizona, work with Brent Brennan. Yeah. Um, for now, at least. Yeah. Uh, we write about that, at least. Yeah. Uh, SEC, uh, we're going to do this one really quick because then I got to get out of here and you're going to finish up with the Sun Belt yeah. uh, solo, I think. Yep. Um, so on the SEC, uh, we were right about Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, and AM. We were skeptical on all of those teams. Um, and we were right. I think we were more right on Florida than we've ever been. I had Florida. F- I will personally take credit for Florida because I was leading that brigade. <laughs> These guys suck. They're terrible. Yeah. They're, they're off their defensive line of 400 pound guys who can't move. Uh, as it turns out, did not have the stamina to hang with some of the better teams on the schedule. <laughs> I can't fucking believe it that having a bunch of giant guys on your defensive line is not the key to being good on defense. Um, yeah, they were bad. They were really, really bad. They, they just didn't have anything going. Uh, Tennessee, I think, kind of squeaked its way into a decent enough final record. They won yeah eight regular season games. But they were pretty yeah. clearly a Joe step. Milton freaked it. Yeah, they were pretty clearly a step below any of the good teams in the league, and also they lost at Florida by thirteen. You can't do that. Um, yeah. South Carolina was bad. South Carolina. So they for a pretty good team next year, though. Tennessee's like top fifteen in SP plus for the year. Yeah, uh, South Carolina was a very, very, cle- extremely clear one-hit wonder. A team that just got lucky in twenty twenty-two, and sure enough, they regressed right back to five and seven. Uh, and Texas A&M, I don't yeah. think that also, we were... by the way, I, d- I do believe the theories about, 
them getting the the tip on the Clemson and Tennessee advanced scouting stuff. Okay. Uh, I am buying that. <laughs> I, I like I like that. Yeah. Uh, and then Texas A&M, this was not a super hard prediction. A lot of people thought that Texas A&M was kind of suspect, but they were they were suspect and Jimbo got fired, which is crazy. Uh, sometimes I just remember, Hey, Jimbo got fired. That's wild. Um, and, uh, this is a good time to reflect on that. Jimbo got fired. I really, it's strange that it happened, but it did happen. Uh, misses. We've got five of them here. Uh, I am going to hold you accountable for this first one because I remember B, I remember where I was. I was at the laundromat at like 11 p.m. when I got a text from you just slightly before the season saying, I don't know, something along the lines of, I don't know why all of these Missouri fans are so excited about this team. They don't have any guys. Um, Ryan, I'm holding yeah, your fucking feet fired. to the fire. They have a few guys. Yeah, what happened here? Yeah, they, had, they, have, they had quite a few guys, it turns out. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they had like two NFL corners, uh, an NFL receiver, an NFL running back, maybe an NFL quarterback even. Um yeah, turns out they were good. Yeah, uh, who knew? My bad. Who knew? Uh, Kentucky. I don't think we were that far off of Kentucky. I think they kind of be middle of the pack, SEC East. Uh, but we were just a little bit too optimistic on them. They they stunk. They suck bad. Yeah, yeah, seven and five, and they didn't really beat anybody all that impressive. Uh, I guess except for Louisville. I don't. I still don't really know how they did that on the road. But no, I guess they just yeah. a dis- Mark Stoops just owns. Louisville. Yeah, a distinct yeah. mental advantage that they have whenever they're playing Louisville with Mark Stoops. He's yeah. just he's got their fucking number. He's got that Ohio I, blood I, coursing through his veins. He understands. Yeah, he gets it. He gets the hatred. I will say it really quick. By the way. Uh, we're going to have two more teams to talk about here. I am not taking the heat in Arkansas. I didn't like them. You like them. <laughs> I don't know that. I, I I thought one of us liked that. I know we liked KJ Jefferson. Um, I don't really know that I had strong opinions hurt. on they were Arkansas. They were hurt the whole year. Rocket yeah. Sanders and KJ Jefferson missed half the year. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking, taking them off the board. The on that, that one's not that. that one's not our bad. Not our fault. They were bad, and it was not our fault. Uh, last two here, both in yeah. the SEC West. Kind of uh, passing ships in the night. Alabama and LSU. Um, LSU, we had, like... The concerns we had about LSU coming into the season were that they did not have enough depth, especially on defense, and that if they got hurt or if just some guys didn't pan out, the defense could end up being pretty bad. Um, And sure enough, (laughs) sure enough, that was what happened. But we thought LSU was going to be a playoff team or at least a contender, and they were out of the equation after like the first month of the season. Um, That was, yeah. And I mean, fucking didn't Jaden Daniels win the Heisman? Like we, that, that part I feel pretty good about is just the rest of it. I don't, I don't feel quite so good. Yeah. We were very right on the LSU offense. They did find a second receiver, which was our only concern about them. Brian Thomas was very good. Um, But the defense. Yeah. I guess I didn't really think they would actually do that. All that stupid shit with keeping, um, Oh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Harold Perkins, keeping Harold Perkins at inside linebacker. Yeah, and now they're doubling down on it again with a new year. with a new staff. Um, which, a new defensive coordinator has come to the same conclusion. <laughs> yeah, and and all the people who masquerade as college football fans but are actually like NFL draft fans are like, look, you got to do it. His body type doesn't quite fit for edge rusher. Like he's not he's not going to be an edge in the NFL. I don't care. He's good at at rushing the edge in college football. He's in yeah. fantastic at it. And he can't play middle linebacker at all at college football. Yeah. Your question is not like, how do you best get this guy prepped for the draft? The question is, do you want an awesome player who helps change the game for you? Or do you want a bad player who's a detriment to your defense? Yeah. Like that's the choice you're making when you put him there. Yeah. Um, Whatever. That's not our fault. Fuck yeah. Man. His, Fuck his, uh, yeah, his, 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 his NFL prospects. That sounds like a YP. That is not an MP. I don't need to, yeah. I don't need to deal with that. That's, it, 
that's for the Alabama, NFL. I'm not, I'm not taking any fucking heat in Alabama. They got lucky against a Georgia team that was overrated <laughs> and, and slept walk all year. Uh, these guys did suck. I was right about it. They won a million close games. They played close games with fucking Arkansas and A&M and South Florida. Uh, they lost to Texas by two scores at home. They barely beat Auburn. Uh, and then they, you know, they couldn't hold up physically against Michigan. Fuck Alabama. I was right about that. They do suck. Jalen Milrow is a bomb. Uh, <laughs> all right. I got to get out of here. That's yeah. the last thing I wanted to say. Yeah. Get out of uh, here. Fuck those guys. <laughs> yeah. You're out. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to close right. this off. Thank you, Ryan. I'm going to close this off on the, on the Sun Belt here. Um, I've got my hits. I've got four hits here that I feel pretty good about. James Madison, Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, and Louisiana. Uh, James Madison was awesome. I thought James Madison was going to be awesome, and they were. Not really going out on a huge ledge there, but they were the best team in the conference. Coastal Carolina, um, Tim Beck, no real reason to believe in him as a as a head coach. They pulled together a little bit later on down the season, but I thought it was a weird fit when they brought him in, and sure enough, it was. Georgia Southern, they're just mid. They're just mid. I don't know why everybody has to do the whole, oh, Clay Helton's got it figured out. He, he's you know modernizing the program. Shut the fuck up. There's a reason the program hadn't, hadn't been modernized, and it's because they're not supposed to run the air raid. It's morally wrong. It is morally wrong for Georgia Southern to run anything other than the under center triple, and uh, God will not smile upon them. Uh, Louisiana, copy of a copy coach. They've got nothing going on. Misses App State. They pulled together. I thought that Sean Elliott or uh, Sean Clark. Too many Sean's in this fucking conference. I thought that Sean Clark was going to get fired. He did not get fired. They figured it out enough down the stretch um, to. I think they went to the Sun Belt Championship because um, James Madison couldn't. So he didn't get fired. He did enough to to avoid that. They started really really shaky. They were three and four, but he pulled it together enough. I did not think they were going to do that. Um, <clears throat> Marshall, I'm, I'm, I'm issuing a pay no mind, uh, warning on Marshall for the foreseeable future. I don't care what they have on the roster. I don't care how many four, former four stars or five stars they have. Charles Mar Charles Huff rather cannot coach his way out of a paper bag. They are on the pay no mind list. Uh, Texas state. I thought that GJ, GJ Kenny was just some guy, basically just guy from Texas, young guy. And he might be. <laughs> he might still be that, but they were awesome in, in year one. They were better than they have ever been. Um, I think it was pretty comfortably the best season in program history. They wildly, wildly exceeded my expectations. They were really good. Uh, South Alabama was disappointing. It felt like they were close. They were like always close, but they just couldn't seem to get out of their own way. When they were on, they were fucking awesome. They beat Oklahoma State on the road by 26. Um, they, uh, they crushed Marshall, they crushed Southern Miss and Louisiana Monroe. That's not hugely impressive, but like they were within a touchdown of James Madison. Um, they were within a touchdown of, of Texas state. They just couldn't quite put it together. They lost to Tulane. They had the, the pretty bad loss at home against central Michigan, bad loss at home against Louisiana. Um, and then Kane Womack left, which is frustrating. They just, they, they, they were close. They were not quite there and southern miss um big old big old miss here <laughs> big this one might be the worst one on the entire list i saw i thought southern miss was going to be good i thought southern miss was going to be a bowl team if not contending in the west uh and they went three and nine and they were really i mean they were one of the worst teams in america um i don't know what will hall has cooking out there but it was it was not good <laughs> it was not it was not good in 2023 
Um, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what that looks like moving forward. Uh, that will do it for this episode. Uh, Ryan has been compromised to a permanent end. The SWAT team arrived at his house and they had to take him away. Uh, so I will uh, I will close it out. We will talk to you all again uh, soon. <laughs>